Hi everyone, and welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about creating brave spaces to foster difficult conversation, but my guest Abby Newberger does. Abby, thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. This is exciting. Yeah, I'm also excited and actually lied a little bit. I do know something about this topic, having created my own discussion group called Junto, and this is actually one of my favorite topics to discuss. Um, and I cannot wait to hear more about your Brave Space group and, and how it works. Uh, so let's yeah. start with the, with the name. Uh, Brave Space yeah. sounds like it's a play on safe space. Can you describe yeah. what distinguishes a Brave Space from a safe space? Sure thing. Um, as you're talking about, safe space is definitely a term that people are more familiar with. Um, it's come about in the last, I want to say, better part of the last decade. Um, and safe spaces really help curate communities for people who don't feel like their voices can be heard safely in other spaces. Um, so they create community amongst a shared story, narrative, experience, and that's amazing, and it's warranted, and it's beautiful. What tends to be a little bit complicated about safe spaces is that if there's something that's coming in that might differ slightly or challenge that perspective, a lot of people tend to be a little bit more guarded about those spaces to only foster the space for that voice so that there isn't any threat to it. Mm -hmm. Totally fair. The difference between a safe space and a brave space is as follows. I believe that sitting in difficult conversations is uncomfortable but necessary mm -hmm. for growth, for perspective, understanding. And so brave space is accepting all perspectives, opinions, questions, thoughts, comments, hot takes, concerns. Oh, my light went up. That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, respecting each other, regardless of if you agree or disagree with the person that's sitting next to you. Um, yeah. If you're not experiencing or listening to somebody else's perspective, you're not truly getting the full picture of the conversation mm -hmm. you're trying to have. And so Creating a brave space entails asking people to show up as they are and really actually take up space in a conversation, not by negating someone else's space, but by saying, I have a question. I'm glad that people are going to respect it because no matter what level of knowledge, no matter what experience you're coming to, with the ta to the table with, um, people are going to be able to listen and understand. And if they don't understand, have an actual conversation to try and understand each other better. Um, yeah. That is very difficult, for sure. But yes. I think it's necessary when we're trying to really understand that a lot of experiences are multifaceted truths. There's not necessarily just one solid, final <laughs> truth at the end of the day. Um, a lot of things are nuanced. A lot of things have differing opinions. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that if there was the one solid truth, it's because there's only one type of person and that's not. not true at all <laughs> so, yeah i actually yeah. think that there there is one solid truth but i don't think it's knowable and so mm. it's effectively there isn't <laughs> yeah. i mean i guess for what we can understand i think that there is you know everyone everyone's individuality plays a part in understanding the greater space so um brave space is really where i ask people to show up as they are and actually show up not just sit back and listen but you know, take up space and take a step back, like do both, because I want to hear what you're thinking about. And if you're not sure how to formulate, like put it into words in the way that you're trying to communicate it effectively, take the time and listen, but still I want you to participate in some way. Um, so the spaces that I curate uh, usually go from that premise moving forward with anything, because mm -hmm. when you help frame a space to be a, I mean, brave spaces are safe spaces inherently, but the term brave is asking people to make make sure that they're actually asking questions and yeah. they're forcing themselves to learn something new. Um, so I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's what I try to do. So how, yeah. how do you encourage participation? Because like mm. in the groups that the, the group that I run, uh, some people are very active and some people are not. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've asked them why they don't participate. They say, oh, they don't know much about the topic. They're just, they want to find out more. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, 
a lot of times I don't, I mean, that's the name of this podcast is I don't know for a reason because like I, I really don't know a lot of things. It's just because I say a lot of things, it, it it's always like open to, um, you know, exploring ideas. I'm not uh, dead set in any opinions. How do you encourage people to speak out more about um, what their opinions are, what questions they have? Yeah, I think that well, that's a really, you know, it's a tough role to facilitate. I mean, I think that naturally there's going to be people who are going to speak up more and naturally there are going to be people who don't want to necessarily speak up because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, I think that's an unfortunate reality that we live in right now. Um, how I encourage it is that, you know, I frame the space every time because my, my space is not necessarily the same group every single call. There's, you know, some people that tune in, mm -hmm. some people that don't come for certain weeks. Like it just really depends on, you know, their availability, which is totally fine. Um, and I actually enjoy that because how people interact is different every time. Yeah. So what I do to encourage it, I guess, is I frame the space every time at the beginning. And I'm just saying, for those of you who have heard this before, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I'm just reviewing how we approach mm -hmm. conversation in this space. Um, I go through what the definition of brave space is with people. I have some guidelines that I utilize. Um, and like saying, this is not gonna be an easy way to participate, but I encourage you and ask that you do participate in some capacity. Um, you know, hopping onto a call and staying silent can only give you so much understanding. Yeah. Ask a question, whether it's in the chat and you don't feel comfortable speaking up in front of people, but you want to still ask the question, you can send it to me directly. You can send it to the whole group because I usually have these on Zoom, mm -hmm. um, which actually allows people to participate in a way that, you know, gives a lot of different personality types comfort. Yeah. Um, I definitely have those people that always want to say something. And I have those people that don't tend to talk that much, but I still get really riveting questions and commentary from both types of people mm -hmm. and all people that are joining the call. Um, I think also the cool thing about this, you know, iteration of the group that I'm curating is that it's a lot of um, different demographics. It's not just young professionals. Most of the spaces I've curated in the past have been for young professional um, conversations, but you know, I, have like, for instance, sometimes my grandma hops on this chat. And oh, wow. sometimes like I have people that are in their 20s, 30s, sometimes 40s. And then I have people asking me, hey, this person wants to jump in. Is it okay if I send the information? I said, sure, just give me their email because I don't publish the link because I want people to feel like it's a space that they feel comfortable coming to and it's not just like put on blast everywhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, 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 in every space, I really encourage people to like, take a moment to add something like even if it's saying yeah that's something i actually agree with in a, in a slightly different way but you know that's having something to say everyone has something to say whether they realize it or not and i think that that's also yes. a big thing that i encourage so um yeah i i feel like i answered your question yeah no i i, <laughs> I absolutely love it and, and by the way everyone does have something to say that's what i say yeah. when i invite people on the podcast and they and the people are like oh i don't have anything to talk about but i think everyone has something like like yeah. it could literally be anything as long as it's something that you're interested in that makes it interesting for me mm, yeah i it's it's interesting you say that there's a I have that understanding too, but there's a way that it was framed to me when I was in college. I was really involved in like Jewish life on campus, whether it was Hillel or Chabad or whatever. Um, and it was, I think, 2016. Uh, there was this like, I don't know if you ever heard of the Sinai Scholars program mm -hmm. that threw Chabad on camp and, and stuff like that. They did a Sinai Scholars retreat as part of this like greater Chabad retreat. And they would send students for free to go to this retreat and learn and have a Shabbat together, basically a Shabbaton. And um, at the time, which I think they still, I think Chabad as a movement has this as a concept, but I really enjoy it is that it's a learn Aleph, teach Aleph concept. And the idea is that mm. even if you only know a single letter of the Aleph bet, or even if you only know one fact, there is something that you can share with someone that they might not know. And you can always learn something as simple as a letter of the alphabet from somebody else too. Yeah. And I think that if you go through life with the 
understanding that you can learn something from everyone and you have the capability to also teach something to everyone. Yeah. You're you have more patience and understanding and resilience in conversation as well. Um because even if you heard something a thousand times it could be annoying, but you might on that 1000th one time mm-hmm. hear something different and yep. you're like, "Oh, I I didn't really Okay, cool. Thank, yeah. thank you for adding that to my understanding now. Um, like after two yeah, dozen no times of reading the fifth Harry Potter book, at some point I'm like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize this. Uh, you know, you learn something no, new. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Also, you're a different version of yourself every t- every time you hear something. Yes. Right? Like, you don't go in like, the same river twice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love exactly it. Exactly that. I love it. Um, okay. So when, when you started uh, Brave Space, was there anything in particular that inspired you to start it? Yeah. So... The, the concept of a brave space, I, um, I've utilized in different iterations. So the first time I used it was I used to work for the Jewish Federation in my area um, in the Young Leadership Division. And they came to me and they're like, we want to do an Israel education series for young professionals. And it's been something that's been brought up a bunch of times. Do you think that's something you'd be interested in putting together? And I was like, yes, that would be amazing. Um, and they said, okay, go do it without any like guidance of how they wanted it to occur nice which kind of let me give this creative control over this space of and i i was a judaic studies major in college and really involved with like jewish and israel related stuff on campus for years which is one of the reasons why i wanted to go into jewish nonprofit work because creating community and cultivating the connection was something that i found to be very fulfilling Mm -hmm. and important um and so when they provided this opportunity for me i was like oh, this is amazing. I can help create a space where people are going to learn and discuss Israel. Wow, that's so cool. (laughs) Where do I start? (laughs) Like, what do I do, right? And luckily, um, there was a a Jewish educator on staff in our, I think it was like the Jewish learning department or whatever of the Federation or Jewish engagement portion of, I don't remember what it was called back then. It's changed names a couple of times. Um, she and our Shaliach, who was from Israel, um, the three of us kind of got together and I, and I approached them. I said, okay, so I've been tasked to do this and I want to put our minds together of, I have an idea I want to do. Can you help me formulate, like f- formulate what it's going to kind of turn out to be mm-hmm. um and they said sure like let's put this together and it's not brave space was not a concept that i originated but it's a concept that i've for me fine-tuned in spaces that i facilitate mm-hmm. um and the the person who was on the jewish education staff she shared this concept of brave space where everyone has something to say everyone should participate in the conversation because different perspectives allow us to sharpen our understanding yeah and broaden our horizons without you know targeting people in the conversation that's the other thing brave space is not about disagreeing and debating it's about learning Mm -hmm. and knowing that there's something that everyone is going to be saying from their perspective that might not be yours but respect at the end of the day and trusting that they're not going to be attacking you with the conversation. Yeah. That's what Brave Space is about. And I said, I want to create this space for people in the, our broad range of 22 to th- like 40 of our young leadership division mm-hmm. to come together and discuss Israel, learn about Israel, have conversations, learn from each other, learn from us, you know, this whole great collaborative educational experience. And, um, it was great. I I had an application process for it and I had about 20 people participate and no two people had the same application, which wow. was awesome. Everyone was from a slightly different life stage or demographic or political spectrum or religious observance or age or, you know, there are so many different factors that each person brought to the table that I don't think I had someone that felt like they were a duplicate of somebody else in that space, nice. which was phenomenal because it really fostered this sense of, wow, okay, like it's a space where I'm coming in and I can disagree with people respectfully and they're disagreeing with me respectfully, but we're not debating, we're not arguing, we're not 
trying to outdo our smarts with each other. We're just learning together mm-hmm. and understanding that I might know more on this and they might know more on that, but we have something to share with one another, which was really great. Um, and so from there, I realized that Brave Space is a concept that applies honestly to any conversation, mm-hmm. <laughs> any conversation you have with someone. So. I I did that iteration twice. I used that in a leadership development course that I helped run for a year um, at the Federation. And then pandemic hit in 2020. And I was, uh, you know, fun employed. (laughs) And I was, I had like a job lined up and I was going to start April 1. And then they did a hiring freeze in March because of the, they didn't know how long this was going to last. And so I was fun employed for a stint. And what I realized was people were craving connection. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying, like, this is something that I really enjoy helping to create um, the opportunity for. So I put together a virtual coffee break for 30 minutes every day, Monday through Friday. Oh, wow. And we talked about a question or topic in Judaism, Israel related or just cultural or religious or whatever every day. And sometimes it would just be like, here's a question. We talk about it for five minutes. And then like, we're just chatting for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. on a call. Sometimes it was we got really cerebral with it. But it was a a way for people to take a zoom break from the zooms that they did for work or school to just like chat with people about a topic and like get really into something and learn together. Um, and I did that from March through October of 2020, Monday through Friday, uh-huh. every day. Um, <laughs> and I used Brave Space in that space. And it was like a, I think it was a, I had like about 40, 45 people on my listserv for every day. And wow. so it was a combination of like, sometimes I'd get two people, sometimes I get 12 people. Like it was just a rotating door of who was in that conversation. So I never really knew how it was going to go anyway. Wow. Um, so I've used the Brave Space concept when I help facilitate these types of experiences for people having conversations because I think it allows us to learn from one another in a respectful manner because it, before you start talking, frames how we're going to treat Mm -hmm. one another. Um, And I think that a lot of times when we're hearing conversations today and whether we're hearing debates today, people don't necessarily debate respectfully because they don't have a shared understanding of what they're walking into with and it not to say that that doesn't happen but sometimes it doesn't happen to like agree upon how we're going to treat one another at the end of the day yeah um and i think that you know by starting every space with just a reminder i can agree or disagree with you or feel however i want to feel you're allowed to feel however you want to feel it but if we disagree at the end of the day i'm still going to respect who you are as a person like that's not going to change um, as long as that respect is given back. And that's what I ask for everybody to do for one another. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like the evolution of how I've utilized it in different yeah. parts of my career, I guess. But it's always been things of like, I want to do this. And usually it's on my own time. So I don't know. That's awesome. Except for that first time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, it's funny because uh, our friend Fiona, who you met, and uh, yeah. our other friend Pocket started a group during COVID called Camp Quarantine. Uh, uh-huh. And I did, I relaunched Junto through that because I had started it a couple years prior, um, but they were like in person, it was harder to coordinate. And then uh, once it was 2020, uh, it really got legs, so that that kind of was the the origin for my group as well. So that's kind of funny. Uh, I love it. <laughs> um, I'll say though, like for me, like I've had like an evolution myself. Like I like being open minded and willing to have open dialogue are are things I find very important now. But it took me a while to kind of cultivate those uh, within myself. Um, I used to be more where I think a lot of people are, which is just kind of like confidently parroting uh, things that other people mm-hmm. say, uh, which confirm prior biases and not actually thinking about it. Um, is is this something that you have uh, always um, uh, been uh, concerned with, having open and fair dialogue, or did was there an evolution for you? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's definitely been an evolution of how I 
how I can articulate it, but I've always had this sense of, I'm just here to understand the other person. That's awesome. Um, it's, I mean, I guess that's just the type of person I am, so yay me. But um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm naturally accepting. No, I, uh, I, I really think that, um, you know, a lot of my upbringing, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, um, my parents are so different. Um, and they communicate differently and they process differently. And so many times growing up, I'm the oldest of three, I would like see my parents talking to one another. And this still happens today. They're happily married, by the way. They're a beautiful couple. Their story's phenomenal. I love it. I love them. Um, but every time <laughs> I'm like seeing them interact, I'm like, how does this work? <laughs> like how, like I'm, I'm thinking like, how does this actually work? Because I, I, there's something about that, you know, they, they love each other so much that they'll put up with however they communicate with one another. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they need like some time to cool off, which is like, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's like an hour. But like, it, you know, it's one of those, uh -huh. I think that being raised by parents that communicate very differently, um, which is pretty common, but I think that in my, my dad and I are kind of wired similarly about we want to talk things through. We need to like understand and and understand what's going on, um, be able to articulate something. And I've, and I've, you know, when I was younger, I kind of had some issues like articulating with how I was feeling. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. So I sometimes wouldn't say something, mm -hmm. um, which I also think stems into why I think Brave Space is so important because even if you don't know how you want to say something, you do have something to say. So um, I think I've just always had a, a knack for understanding that even if someone isn't saying something, there's like something going on up there that like deserves to be given space and heard and, and all these things. So I think I guess from the first, you know, experience that you have, which is like your family and your parents, uh -huh. like I'm surrounded by people that communicate so differently that I have to be able to understand how to communicate with different people. Um, so, and then, yeah, I mean, growing from that, I mean, like I talking about differing political views, even not necessarily my parents, but you know, my extended family is a very, I want to say like a motley crew of people, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's a very, like a lot of people feel a certain way about something and then they have a tendency to kind of ostracize someone who thinks differently. And mm. I've always been really frustrated by that. And it's not, that they do it on purpose i think that we might they might not necessarily know how to communicate what they're trying to do in a way that doesn't sound to the receiving end as i think what i have to say is more important mm -hmm. um and but i i also think that that is true for so many people like i think it's true for most you, people when you really yeah it's true it's true for most people like when you think that what you believe is the most right thing um, you're all, like you're like a ride or die for that belief. Like you really yeah. feel like in your kishkas, really, like, <laughs> in your kishkas. Like this is the right thing. Everyone has to understand that this is the right thing. Um, and sometimes people who want to communicate what that is aren't necessarily aware of how someone's receiving it. Yeah, they're just more aware of how what they want to communicate, but not how to communicate with differing people. And I think that that is something that if people spent a little extra time trying to understand how to communicate civilly yeah. and respectfully, um, that it's something that could ch honestly change a lot of people's, not change their minds, but how we treat one another, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that just like growing up with people who have so many differing views, who have so many different ways of communicating, who have so many different lifestyles too, like, just sitting back and witnessing that is something that gives you a lot of perspective. Um, yeah. I feel like I've gone down a tangent of trying no, to answer it's, your question. It's a but, great, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Communication's all about tangents, but, but also um, that, that's something I struggle with because I mean, if somebody is having a civil uh, respectful conversation with me, it's very easy for me to be civil and respectful, agree, mm -hmm. disagree, uh, you know, I, I, I care a little bit. I care a lot. It's very easy for me to, to be respectful. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I detect 
snark or sarcasm, it is very hard for me to not uh, echo that tone or, or escalate it. Um, yeah. So how do you keep a cool head <laughs> and de-escalate a conversation? Oof. Yeah, that is definitely rough. Um, I think for me, when I'm going into a conversation and I know the person thinks differently than me, like I, for a fact, I know. Um, not because I've assumed, but because it's been presented that they think very differently than I do. Um, I go in with an understanding of I'm not going into this conversation to try and change their mind. Yeah, I'm going into this conversation to try and hopefully leave with us having a better understanding of each other. Right. Because um, if you go into a conversation trying to convince someone of something, A, you're going in with the mindset of a salesperson and not everybody's a salesperson <laughs> and like can sell the product that they're trying to like think is the coolest thing since sliced bread. Um, and not everybody's a salesperson. And I'm really harping on that because like as much as you believe something, if you can't communicate effectively with another human who agrees or just really disagrees with you, um, you have to know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of problems with people going back and forth with each other nowadays is trying to outdo mm-hmm. with what is correct yeah, um, and what they is they perceive to be correct. Um, and I think that for me, in terms of de-escalation and conversations with people I disagree with, I don't go into it trying to convince them of anything. Um, I'm, I'm not either. I'm not either. I, I, I like to I'd like to understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And I'd for you to give me some time to share with you where I'm coming from um, and humanize each other because a lot of us just talk at something yes. or someone um, as opposed to going back and forth and trying to really understand as opposed to like list off. Um and so conversation and, and the reason why Brave Space is something that I feel really passionate about is because it's about fostering conversation, not debate back and forth to then see who wins at the end. It's yeah. the going back and forth to learn something from one another. Right. Um, so in terms of going into conversations with people I disagree with and how I might de-escalate the situation, sometimes you can't um, because as much as you try to go into the conversation with the same understanding of what we want this conversation to be. Um, if both parties don't have that same understanding, it's almost impossible to like have a conversation that's productive. Yes. Um, and I think for me, like I, I mean, recently with everything that's been going on in the world, right. Um, there have been a lot of people that have, I, that I've, seen say stuff that I don't agree with um and I've reached out and I'm like hey you know have you have you heard about other things as well like I'd like to hear where you're hearing things from like can we have a conversation about you know how you're feeling yeah about or what you're thinking about this um because the other because a lot of those interactions have come from them trying to berate someone in a comment section or right. on their stories or this and and I say I'd like to have a conversation with you, um, not to like attack you, because <laughs> right now that's what you seem to be doing. And I don't. I guess my attempt at de-escalation is to start with a conversation. Yeah. Um, and also I sometimes realize when it's time to walk away, because you're not going to change their mind, and they're not giving you the opportunity to listen to you. Yeah. And for you. Like, if you give them the opportunity to speak, they will speak. Right. But, and then that goes for everybody. But if they don't reciprocate that, then that's usually the time when I'm like, okay, so as much as I want to give you time, I also respect my time. Mm. And so I'm going to, right now, like, this doesn't seem right. to be a good use of my time, not because I don't care. Um, but I've attempted and I would like to see that you've attempted. And if I've seen that you haven't, then at the end of the day, we'll just call it quits. Um, and they're, they're as much as I'd ideally like to say you can have a conversation with anyone. I think you can. 
but in actuality you probably can't (laughs) (laughs) or or you can but it'll take a lot more effort and time (laughs) in a lot more patience yeah than a lot of people try to exhibit i i think you know the the term patience is a virtue um i really try to be virtuous (laughs) Ah. (laughs) but uh, there's there's sometimes where like you know i i've understood that this is not something that they want to spend time on and so my effort to try and spend time on it will land on deaf ears and right um let me try and have conversations with people that do want a back and forth that not an attacking back and forth but like a shared understanding of we are both human at the end of the day yeah treat each other as such and we can go from there if you start with that understanding I think that a lot of people try to debate ideologies and neglect that they're speaking with right. humans. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that that's also another thing to think about. I love it. I, in, uh, in Junta, we're, we're okay with debate and argument and we, we've even like mm-hmm. hosted debates, but the, the goal is not like to score points or to win or, or lose. It's just to present alternative ideas and, and, yeah. uh, you know, the rules are no personal attacks no uh no trolling only good faith or devil's advocate arguments that can be made you know and 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 be respectful those are like the the main things but i think from from what you're saying but i'm gonna listen to this like another two times after we're done because these are (laughs) these are good tips um for not just for the junto but just for everybody listening to take into your own conversations that even if you are having a, a healthy debate or argument or conversation and things get tense you could always pause it and reframe that uh like you said like we're we're all human let's be respectful we're trying to increase understanding um it's always i I don't think it can hurt to to do a little reframe and that might help uh ease the tensions yeah the there's a there's a term that people use like step up and step back Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's used to it usually it's used to describe participation in a conversation. Like if you find yourself stepping up a lot, maybe take the opportunity to step back and let someone else step up. And then if you're the type of person that steps back a lot, maybe take the mm. opportunity to step up in the conversation. But I also think that applies for the duration of the conversation in terms of where the trend of the conversation is going like right. you were just saying if if it's going in a direction that feels a little bit too hostile or um i guess hostile is the right word if it's it's going towards a hostile conversation as opposed to a you know learning conducive space for people to share and debate ideas it's it's okay to like step back for a second and be like okay so like i just want to make sure that we're still talking from the same guidelines from the same understanding of like pause for a second like let's catch our breath we're getting really ramped up and this is good because this is good conversation but i also want us to just remind ourselves that a like yeah we're both people (laughs) i respect you do you respect me great let's continue right like that's that's something that we a lot of people have trouble doing I have trouble doing it. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I cannot do that every single time. There are things that um, I'd like to say that I can be patient with. And then I <laughs> get into that situation and I find out that I have a very short fuse. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but I have a shorter fuse than I initially thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to take a moment to be like, whoa, okay, let me let me actually really reevaluate <laughs> how much I have to give for this conversation or this space and then go into it and reset kind of my expectations of myself. Um, And the other thing is that I think the other thing about setting guidelines and framing a space is it also allows people to be on the same expectation level Mm -hmm. for each other. Um, Your your expectations of yourself, you can't put that on another person without saying that that's what you're expecting of them, which is I think a lot of root cause of a lot of problems yes but if you at the beginning can say this is what i expect of myself what do you expect of me Mm. and also what i what i choose to expect of other people that i want to interact with is that i'd like to expect this of someone but is that something that you feel like you can 
fulfill for me. And if it's not, let's have a conversation about readjusting my expectations and so that I can better work with you or discuss something with you or, you know, be friendly, you know, whatever. And I think that um, even if it's like a friend or a colleague or a random tangential friend that you know on social media or a family member or whatever, what have you, um, that is a really mature way of approaching a conversation with them Um, because it also sets people for a loop no matter what their age Um, like if it's a parent with a child or it's a grandchild with their grandparent like you kind of go into that saying I'm not saying this because I think what I have to say is more important than you and I hope that's not how you feel either but I'd like I'm saying this because I want us at the end of the day to approach the conversation from an equal expectation of each other Mm -hmm. um or shared understanding of what our expectations are of each other. Um, so I think that's also a, it's a hard thing to do, but I, I really force myself to try and do that a lot more. Cause I also, I've also found that, you know, the results of those conversations are much healthier to yeah. sit with at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard work 100%. If it was easy, <laughs> it wouldn't be, a topic on your conversation <laughs> on your on your podcast yeah you know um so yeah yeah i think it's i don't know it's a beautiful concept and as some people call me an idealist instead <laughs> of a realist but at the end of the day without me idealism too, realism can't change so amen um, yeah that's a great <laughs> quote is that your quote gonna i just pulled it out so i love it i don't know if it exists somewhere but it's a thought that just came across my brain there you go <laughs> There you go. That's a that's a great one. Thanks. So, Abby, something I wanted to ask you is how do you come up with topics for your discussion? Yeah. Um, for my current discussion group, I call it a current events discussion group. Um, so on some of the first calls, I kind of polled the group of what they'd like, and I had them vocalize it or message me. Um, but before I even put the group together, I didn't even know if people wanted this space. And so I put a Google form together and I posted it on my social media. I'm like, if you're interested in participating in a group where we're talking about the state of the world, um, in a way that's respectful with one another, let me know. And I had like, I think it was like a 12 or 13 question, like form of what you're interested in discussing. Nice. Um, but I mean, going back to that, that group that I did during COVID, I just, I took different books of like the Jewish book of why, or if mm. it was a holiday or if it was just like things that are happening around us or things that are brought up or, you know, I always ask people like, is there a topic that you want to talk about? Cause I have a plethora of things I can bring to the table, yeah. but um, at the end of the day, if you don't want to talk about it, why am I bringing it up? Um, <laughs> I'd like to bring it up just because we should all be able to learn something new, but um, I also want people to feel engaged. So I always get audience participation and what the conversation is going to look like. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on the group, too. Nice. So. I meet a lot of people who are perfectly willing to talk about any topic except for one or two that they have issues, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, separating their personal identity from it, I think is the most common thing. And they can't have an open conversation without getting emotional or offended or upset. For me, I think like the the last big hurdle for me was was Israel. And that's still yeah. the probably the biggest one in my circles that people uh, just cannot have a rational discussion about. Some people have mm-hmm. uh, left my Gento club because they couldn't handle the Israel discussions. Some people have joined because they couldn't have those discussions anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for some people, that topic is abortion. For some people, that topic is Trump. People are, are very emotionally attached to certain things. Do you encounter people like that? And like, how do you do you have any advice on how to get past certain blocks to um, discussing any topic? Yeah. Um, I mean, likewise for you, I think the most recent thing for me that's come up is Israel. And that's been a big thing that's been weighing on my mind and a lot of conversations that I've been a part of, which is, the, gr- the group that I currently run is because of everything that's been happening in Israel, between Israel and Hamas, because at the end of the day, it's the Israel-Hamas war. It's not the Israeli-Palestinian war, because I we can go into that a different time or we can go into that now, whatever. Um, 
but your question is, have I encountered that and how do I handle it? I guess, um, I've definitely encountered it a lot more than I think I would like. Um, not that I expect to encounter it all the time. I, I have, some people think this is really sad, but I have very low expectations of people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I go, I honestly, I, I would rather be pleasantly surprised yeah. than disappointed. And so for me, I know how I'm approaching a space, but I don't ever assume that I know how someone else is going to approach a space. I don't ever assume or expect someone to do the same thing unless I've communicated that that's what I'm expecting. Right. So, um, I've definitely encountered a lot of people who get very visceral reactions to certain topics. Um, and for me, what I say to that is we all have something that makes us feel that way. 100%. If you didn't, then you're a robot because then you're not human. Um, but you know, the way that I kind of approach those conversations is I say, I'd like to have this conversation when you feel ready to have it. Um, because I want to hear what you have to say about it. I'm not trying, uh, first of all, I don't want you to try and sell me on something. I'm not trying to sell you on something. Right. I just want to hear from you. And if you don't know how to articulate it, that's okay. Take your time. I think that people aren't given the time to really process and articulate how they're feeling or thinking about something. Um, they sometimes just know what they don't want. Mm-hmm and can't articulate what they do want or do support or do enjoy um, or do believe. Like, and I think that allowing grace for each other is something that is lacking. Um, and so when I encounter someone that has a very visceral reaction to something, like, I respect how you're feeling right now. I respect you. And I want you to know that I'm not coming at this as a form of attacking your perspective or understanding opinion, thought, comment, hot take, whatever. Um, I want to better understand why you feel that way. Tell me your why, like explain it to me um, so that I can understand where you're coming from. Because someone who only communicates based off statements, it's hard for me to kind of understand their connection to it. Yeah. Because then it just feels like one-liners. Like right. if, if everyone was like communicating based off of one-liners, it'd be like, hey, Joe, this is great. <laughs> yes. This podcast is so cool. It's never, you're detaching yourself right. from what you feel about it. Right. So if you're, if you're like, let's, let's talk, I don't know, like, let's uh, just politics in general. I, I grew up in the DC area. So it's a conversation that's been at the dinner table mm-hmm. ever since I can remember. Um, and not necessarily about what we're supposed to feel about something, but why we feel the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are such strong opinions in this area about a lot of things. Right. And I also experienced that with my family. Like a lot of people in my family, extended family, nuclear family, have very strong opinions about certain things. And then sometimes there were like other things that we don't know how to have an opinion on it because we're mm-hmm. not necessarily as educated. So I think one of the things is that I never try and jump in on a conversation that I haven't started to educate myself about, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's also something when people are having visceral reactions to something, they're having a visceral reaction, but can't identify why. Yeah. Um, so allowing themselves to ha- take the time to identify why they feel the way they do and, and really taking the time to understand it. I, I think that that's, I don't know. I'm going yeah. around. No, no, for bit. sure. I, I mean, I, I think that, that's like one side of the uh or one one part of the problem but i think a big part of it is um people that kind of are are very attached to their opinion or you know they're they're married to their ideas in a way that it's not easily disentangled so if somebody expresses an opinion that counters yours it feels like a personal attack even when it's not so I think that's a big part of it. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, to, yes, I agree that a lot of people's beliefs are part of their identity, too. Yeah. Like, I think that um, as people, we have a hardship in 
like understanding that there's a connection between your identity and what you believe and how you move yourself through this world. But separating and identifying this, your identity versus your beliefs, um, your beliefs can inform your identity, right? And your beliefs can help guide who you are. Um, but also your beliefs can change as you move through this world. So I think that, mm -hmm. you know, people who are super tied to something and it is their identity to be something or to be pro or anti this or whatever, um, it, that is definitely a harder conversation to have with them because it feels like you're attacking them as a person. Exactly. And I think, and for sure, for sure, everyone has something that's that for them. Everyone has something that's that for them. I think for, for me, I'll just, I'll say like my Judaism and how it informs my life decisions and how I approach things and how I move through this world is a huge part of my identity. And I mean, just look, I was a Judaic studies major in college. It's what I decided to spend all this money on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but truly, I think for me, you know, like when someone is attacking that, it, yeah, it feels personal because for me, it's personal. Right. But I have to understand that for them, it might not be personal. Right. It might just be a belief that they have and it can be changed. Like, I, 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 I guess I'm an, a, die hard optimist or mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> idealist <same>. right you <laughs> know like i i'd like to believe that people can have an eye-opening conversation at mm -hmm. some point in their life about something that they've said whether they think it's the right or wrong thing they've said something and there might have been a reaction that was visceral to someone hearing it and approaching conversations with people who feel like it's a personal attack recognizing that it is personal for them right. is the first. If you do not recognize that it is a personal, very personal conversation to them, then you're automatically 10 steps behind where you want to be mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. getting anywhere. Um, I think that, you know, if you say something and someone reacts, you're like, okay, first of all, thank you for telling me how you're feeling. Thank you. Two, I respect that you and I might disagree, but I respect your opinion because you're a human being. I'm going to treat you the way that I would want to be treated right now. Yeah. Three, I'd like to understand why this is personal for you. Um, I'm not questioning that it's personal for you. I'd like to understand why it's personal for you. Like our framing and our word choice mm -hmm. has such weight that, you know, there, there's a reason why documents that are like foundational documents to to states or nations or whatever, they're worded specifically because in that moment, those are the right words for it. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes amendments happen or this or that mm -hmm. down the road because things change. Yeah. 100 percent. But the foundational understanding is there. So like if we can understand that our foundational understanding of human beings is that we just want to move through the world and live life. Um, that's like such a basic thing. Like, let's bring it down to that and then start building off, knowing that it might look like a completely different building for each person, but that at the same time, like we're building our life, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're moving through and adding pieces and, it, and it's gonna look different at the end. But at the end of the day, we're all our own construction workers on our own building. Um, so we might use some materials that are the same as another person and we can say, oh, look, we have this in common. And then to look to the next person and be like, I'm doing it completely different than you, but you're also building a building. That's so cool. How are you right. doing that? Yeah. Like, why are you doing it that way? Like understanding so that maybe like on the 10th floor of my building, I might do something different, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really am a big metaphor person, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Sometimes yeah, I get I too heavy into the metaphors and then I yeah. and then I come out the other end being like, is everything just a metaphor and there's nothing Is that there's something <laughs> concrete in my life? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I just I think to, to sum up my answer to your question though is that you know, having a conversation with someone that has such a visceral reaction to something and it is ingrained in their identity for their perspective on it, is you just approach them and say, by me saying this I am not intentionally trying to attack you 
in this moment. This is what I believe, and I believe it because X, Y, Z. I'd love to understand your ABC. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Like, let's just, let's put it out on the table. Like, I, we, if we only live by one-liners, like I was saying, yeah, then we're never going to be able to find common ground because one-liners can be so vague yeah. um, and, and a blanket statement for things. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's really just about humanizing each other in a conversation and not detaching ourselves as people from the actual topic. Yeah. So, I don't know. And yeah. Speaking of one-liners <laughs> how do you how do you feel uh the state of conversation is uh, especially with twitter other social media um moving in a good direction bad direction yeah. where I, where's your optimism on this one <laughs> i think the foundation of social media was based off of that we wanted to connect with one another and i think it's actual practice and implementation has left us feeling more disconnected than ever um, because it's given us a barrier between humanizing each other. Mm. Um, I, I think that, you know, like, let's give it, let's give, put it in this context, dating, right? Like mm-hmm. I was, ha- I, you, these conversations pop up so much when you're in your twenties, thirties, you know, if you're single or whatever, because everyone has this understanding of like, you're supposed to move through life and you can find a partner to do that with. That's great. So everyone's, and especially in the Jewish community, <laughs> everyone's like really interested in your life. <laughs> um, you know, I I think that dating apps, and it's not just Jewish community, I think dating apps as a whole, the intention is to be able to easily discover more opportunities for yourself. Mm-hmm. And yet it's also made dating so formulaic yep. and less human. So I think it's also a similar thing to social media of it's a way for us to find one another and connect and stay connected because handwriting letters or phone calls or text messages are now too much nowadays. I, I think, that, you know, <laughs> or an email, like it, it feels so hard um, for some people, not for others, but for some people, like that just seems like it takes up so much time. So if I'm connected, if I'm friends with that, if I'm friends right, and I'm right, right. with them on a social media site, that means that I'm keeping up with them and they're keeping up with me and I actually don't have to talk to them. How yeah. is that <laughs> a more personalized connection <laughs> than having a conversation with them, right? So Yeah, that's. I, uh, that I never thought about it that way. Media, yeah, so social media, I have it. It's not that I've denounced it because I, I utilize it for like my social calendaring and like... Yeah. I don't know. I I don't really care how I present on social media. At the I like when I first got Facebook, it was I was going into high school and my my dad said, "Okay, so you're joining Facebook, which and I'm the oldest of three, so this is like I went through everything first. It was very much a <laughs> trial by fire kind of thing of okay, you're getting it, which means that me and mom are getting it and you have to friend us." Oh wow. So your philosophy should be that if you don't want us to see something, don't post it. Now, me being the oldest daughter, yeah, just never put on thought, the privacy like, settings. Right, well, so <laughs> see, this being me, I'm I don't like to finagle a system. I like to <laughs> put in front of me. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I like to stretch a dollar and I like to like <laughs> be able to figure some things out. But if someone sets a guideline for me, I'm. I guess I'm a rule follower in that way of I, I try to respect that that's something that's important to them. Right. Okay. I like guess it's, it's a very much a, I guess to a fault, like to people please, but you know, it's, it's a, uh, so when they, when I, when I joined social media, my parents were like, you have to friend us. And if you don't want us to see something, just don't post it. And I actually think that that's actually a really good way for when I was, you know, 14 joining social media, of like, cool, that's a good philosophy to go by. If I don't want my parents seeing something, I just won't post it. But also as I'm older, I'm turning 30 this weekend. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> new decade, new me. I don't know. Um, I It's a philosophy that actually is really great for me because what that did was it taught me that not everything in my life has to be shared. Yeah. Not everything that I'm doing has to be like, oh my God, you have to understand what I'm doing at every single step in my life because my life is for you. My life is for me. Social yeah. media is an opportunity for me to like have an easier connection to other people. But what I think it's done is that everyone feels like social media is the way to communicate with people. 
Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that's what's make, made it difficult to humanize each other because it's actually more of a detachment to each other than it is an attachment in my perspective. Yeah. So, you know, no. <laughs> I, I agree. I, and it, it's so interesting because I wasn't even thinking of that aspect of it because that's completely dehumanizing. I was, I was thinking of, um, kind of the constant road rage effect of yeah. like, you know, like there are things that you don't say in when you're in person, but when like the road rage metaphor is like, if you're behind the safety of your car, then you're, you're screaming out, fuck you. You're giving the finger. Like you wouldn't do that yeah. in real life, but you do it because you feel safe behind the, the thing. So people behind their keyboards say things on the internet. They would never say in real life or they used yeah. to would never say in real life. And now it's, it's starting mm -hmm. to spill over to real life. People are becoming yeah. way more mean. I think the state of mm -hmm. conversation is, is going downhill from, for the most yeah. part, in my opinion. But, um, but I think there are people trying to have good conversations and that's good. No, for sure. <laughs> I think, look, it, it provides the opportunity for both. And I think that, you know, the, the concept of that it's actually dehumanized us is it applies to that aspect to it also. You know, yeah. you're behind a computer. You're not exactly. actually sitting in front of a person. So whatever you're putting out there, you don't necessarily associate with telling other people. You just associate with your venting. Yeah. And I think that that's also a problem, which I mean, I'm going to tie it back to what my dad said to me when I was 14 joining Facebook of like, if you don't want me to see it, don't post it. So if I don't want someone to see something, it's not because I'm trying to be private. It's because that's not something for them. Mm -hmm. That's something I think. And what I think is what I think, right? Like, cool. Like there are some things that I'll be very vocal about on social media, but that's because I only post things that I can 100% say at the end of the day that I truly believe. And you can talk to me about it at any time. Wow. I've never posted anything that's been like the thing to do because it's the thing to do. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. um, I, 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 I don't, I don't really enjoy just going with trends i think that yeah. trends inform decisions 100 percent. but you know going whether it's a twitter war or x war whatever it is now um and or a facebook post and thread or instagram reels or stories or this or there's so many different ways to get a message out there nowadays that honestly it's hard to keep up yeah um and my philosophy about treating people is like i'm gonna do me and you can do you if what I'm doing is not hurting you and what you're doing is not hurting me, I could give two, can I curse on this? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I give two shits about what you're doing. Um, because if you're living your life and that's making you happy, go for it. I don't care. As long as you're not trying to dictate how I live my life. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, because I will trust and respect that that is the thing that you need to be doing for you. As long at the end of the day is that you treat me the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the concept with every religion starting with Judaism. No, I'm joking. Um, it's the treat, treat everybody how you want to be treated. I just want to be treated with, you know, respect and trust that I know what I'm doing for me is the right thing for me, which is how I try to move through life for everybody else. Um, and not everybody has that approach. Yeah. Which means that people are doing what they need to do for them and what they need to do for them. They think everyone needs to hear. And not everybody needs to hear it. Like, there's a reason why privacy settings are a thing is because yes. you only want certain people to see what you're saying. Some people are super public. Like, my profiles, which some people have told me is really stupid, are public. Yeah, I was going to say, I, one, one day I would like to be more like you. I, I'm not there. Like I, I, That's okay. I'm with you as far as, um, you know, trying to... Uh, only post things that I that I agree with and and I, I really don't post that much I but um, just try but but you know and, and doing this podcast I mean th I'm like 30 something episodes in I mean this is anonymous beca because like it's not that I don't agree with things that I say it's just that I don't really want people to that I don't want to know about it to know about it yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and, I think that's a fear of yeah social media sorry i totally no, just cut go, you go, off go, but go like ahead, the idea no the the concept of social media of like there's more people able to see you now mm -hmm. there's more people able to at, like when you expand your circle 
it's an it's the opportunity for more voices, which means that that could be good or bad. That could be helpful. That could be hurtful. And so doing something like this anonymously, totally respect it. And I think that that is that like, that's the right thing for you. Amazing. I love that. Some people are like, I need my name everywhere because I don't <laughs> care who sees. Like for me, it's not that I need my name everywhere. I just know that for me, how I live through my life and how I move through the world is a way that I'm proud of. And I'm not saying that you're not proud of this. I think that it, there is a very real fear of people getting trolled or attacked online or all these other things when there's this culture of just spewing hate at people because it's doable. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous, you know? And I think that that's what also social media has contributed to. Like, yeah. it, there's more opportunities for people to see you. And so whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's a thing. <laughs> it's no a thing. Less. <laughs> yeah. For sure. What are some... Uh, challenges that you faced in managing Brave Space? Mm. Um, people who disagree with one another in the space feeling like they're not welcome in the space anymore mm. because one person feels a little bit louder. And I will also say that I've been in spaces where I don't facilitate it as such, but it's the same concept. And I don't feel welcome because the overwhelming opinion is one way and it turns more into a safe space than a brave space. And, and, and I think that that's also the distinction, bringing it back to the, mm. one of the first questions you asked me, what's the distinction between the two is that challenging ideas and sitting in uncomfortable conversations is hard and everyone knows it. And if you start going towards what feels safe and just what feels easy, because that's what feels accepted in this space, then you're actually not challenging, yeah. you're venting. And yeah. that's okay. Everyone needs a place to be able to vent. But I think that when you're having a truly brave space, um, everyone in that space is going to feel challenged and respected at the end. And um, I think one of the challenging things of facilitating a conversation space like that is when people feel like their voice isn't given space to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is a challenge that I face every time because there are people that have a lot to say and I want them to be able to have space to say it. And my calls that I host are only an hour. Yeah. Like, I don't host two, three hour calls or sessions or whatever. Like that's not something I do. Um, because also there's only so much people can take of, yes. of that kind of thing. So in increments, that's good because you have to be able to try to train those muscles more, right? Um, conversational muscles, let's say. And um, I, I think one of my biggest challenges of facilitating those spaces is when people feel like their voice doesn't have space. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I'm very conscientious of every single time I'm opening up the computer to start this call of, I am darn sure that I'm gonna do my best that I can to make sure that anybody who wants to feel heard in this space has the space to feel heard. And um, sometimes, a majority of the time I'd like to say it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's also times where people are like, you know, there's someone who's just, just feeling like it's a lot of them. And I, so what I also sometimes do is one-on-one, I'll talk to the person and I say, I want you to be able to feel welcome in this space. I also just want to remind you of the guidelines one more time of like, there's also other people in the space that want to say something and we're trying to hear each other out. So mm. maybe on the next time you join, I want you to join. I want you to be here. I also want you to recognize that there are other people trying to adhere to these guidelines that want to have some space as well. So bringing up that step up, step back policy, or not policy, I don't want to say policy, it's not like I have rules. I just have guidelines of like, we try our best to maintain them. I definitely Um, need to step back. I think I I take (laughs) up too much oxygen and um, I need to encourage the people who aren't talking to talk. It's good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I think, look, I, I have a tendency to like to talk too. So I, I really also find myself telling myself being like, Ooh, maybe I should like pause for a second. Like, let me just see what else everybody's feeling. I, I am always like checking in with the group as well. I'd like, I'll go on like a two minute thing to like talk about what we're talking about. I'm like, okay, is there anybody who has questions, comments, hot takes, concerns right now that they want to bring to the table, whether that it's about something that I just brought up or if it's something I can keep talking. I can also not, I can, I'd like also other people to chime in. So 
is right. there something that someone wants to bring up right now? Like, you know, I always, I, I think I do that about three to four times on the call. Like, <laughs> so it's every like 10 to 15 minutes, you like have me saying, everybody doing okay? Are we ready to move on? Like, is that something we want to do? Is there something else that wants to be brought up? Like, oh, there's that comment here. That's a great point. Well, you know, really trying to incorporate other voices. So um, facilitation nice. is definitely a skill set that is difficult because you want to be able to curate the space. But curating the space also means that you don't talk all the time. Yeah. So it's very difficult for <laughs> it's me. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, we are getting to the end of our time. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before you leave, what is one thing, if you had to choose one thing that you want me and all of our listeners to know? Mm. Ugh, I was thinking about this. I was listening to some of your other episodes and this question that was always at the end. And um, I think at the end of the day, um, when we're having hard conversations, recognizing that it's going to be hard and like truly recognizing it, not just saying, oh yeah, it's going to be hard, whatever. Um Brave space is not an easy thing to implement because everyone has feelings, everyone has thoughts, everyone has opinions that are ingrained in how we move through the world, um, how we identify ourselves to the world. And um, separating our identity from these opinions is difficult work, um, but brave spaces are there to help have people understand you and understand something greater than themselves. Um, so I think the thing I'd want everybody to know at the end of the day um, is just to remember that no matter how much you are thinking about something, the other person's also probably thinking about something, whether it's the same thing or something different. Um, and there's something that they have to say and there's something you have to say. So give each other the time to do it. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess that's it. I don't know. I, I hope that's okay. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> <laughs>